Hello, welcome to the Tall Street Digital Podcast, where every week we discuss search news and break down topics in SEO. I'm Cord Blunquist, and I'm joined by Anar Johansson. Hello, hey. Anar. Hi. <laughs> so let's get oh, started. Make me say my own name there. Let's go. No, okay. I paused. Yeah, I tricked yeah. you. Yeah, uh, wasn't the norm. Well, at the top of our show notes this week, uh, Google Data Studio has changed its name to something I think is uh, sounds silly, uh, but uh, you know what do I know? I don't work at Google, uh, so Google Google Data Studio is now Looker Studio, and Looker I guess was a product that Google already offered. Oh, uh, so, okay. Yeah, the um, the rationale behind all of this, according to Search Engine Land, is um, uh, is to unify Google's business intelligence products. Um, so it's, yeah, it says that they've renamed renamed Google Data Studio to Looker Studio, um, but this is basically a merging of other products. So they're unifying the Google Google Business Intelligence products under the Looker umbrella. I mean, Looker is so okay. strange because, mm. you know, it, in English, it's like something that I feel like somebody would have called a woman in the fifties. Oh, she's a real Looker, but you yes. wouldn't describe yeah. describe anyone as a Looker. Oh, he's you know, someone can be a lookout. Someone might be a viewer of something, but it's just such a strange thing and D- data studio seemed like a good name because you were taking data yeah. you're kind of bringing it in and mixing it up like you would in a uh you know an audio or video studio tool seemed like a cool name to me uh but anyway now we have to call it this mm-hmm. uh but what does this really matter so uh, other than the name change um there's now a crazy amount of more data inputs so logging into our account I'm seeing that there's 23 connectors to Google's own internal products. Um, or I'm sorry, those those are, aren't all internal. Some of them include like Microsoft SQL uh, Server, uh, MySQL, uh, PostgreSQL. Um, but then there's the, the, whatever they have under connectors is primarily um, their own products. But then they have these partner connectors. And when I last logged in, I think that was a dozen, maybe a half a dozen small things down here. But now they're listing 662 options to link to uh, or to connect to. And it's like every service you can think of. Um, You know, there's Facebook ads, there's super metrics stuff that will uh, plug into Google My Business. So that's kind of connecting to another connector. That allows you to manipulate data in different ways. Um, gosh, the supermetric stuff just goes on and on here. Um, like but, uh, with a glance, do you see anything that we could use with our type of clientele? Like other, other, uh, just yeah, I mean, this, I mean, there's some things. There's some things like um, being able to grab information from Stripe. So then maybe you can correlate. Uh, you can look at how many donations you've gotten, and, oh, okay. and, maybe, yeah. and maybe that maybe that collects from what URL did the uh, donation or, you know originate? Did it come to this page or that yeah, page? Yeah, I see. Um, 
I think Stripe can capture some, you know, UTM type of data. So tracking, um, tracking a, a source, a referral uh, via information that's just in the URL. Uh, there may be other yeah. information that Stripe captures. I don't know. I haven't built, uh, I haven't built a data studio with that, but I could see that. Um, right. Uh, it looks like they have other things like project tracking tools, like Monday.com are in here. But yeah, I haven't looked through the whole uh, LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, Twitter ads. Uh, so you can grab any of those sort of ad inputs. Um, every CRM that I've heard of seems to be represented in here. Uh, now they've got integrations with Deep Crawl and other SEO tools. So if you wanted to um, maybe compare uh, data from your crawls, like um, crawl showed this page as as slow, is that affecting its traffic? You know, you could think of those sorts of correlations you might want to run is page speed really affecting the amount of traffic that we're getting um so on and so on so there's just a huge amount of things to explore so um i'm sure we will discover stuff i see mailchimp in here too so we may see things like oh what you know did did traffic on the site rise when uh when your emails went out although that's that's easy to measure with just an integration into google analytics but uh i guess maybe the more data, you might be able to suss suss something out. You'd at least be able to grab the exact time that your mail went out. Um, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Anyway, go, going back to our notes, um, they've also said that there's a, a pro version, uh, Looker, Looker Studio new, Pro. Right? Yeah, and yeah. that gives you, they just say enterprise management features. I don't know what that means. Likely managing teams. Uh, being able to assign rights to certain people, and then SLAs or service level agreements, meaning, you know, Google oh, okay, guarantees yeah. that you'll be able to get access. I don't think there's any guarantee that Google's Data Studio will be up or not. Uh, but why no, don't we talk a little bit about very slow and everything? So, yeah, maybe so, so, yeah. Sometimes it can be a, it can be a little bit of a dog. Um, I mean, that's that's also because it's it's connecting to a lot of other things. But in our case, we're usually yeah, just but connecting you think they to... implement some caching or something just to make it a little bit. More responsive. Sometimes yeah, and, I just need to do something else when I'm working on it. It's so yeah. slow. And considering that many of the um, most popular connections are to their own products. Yeah. You know, they're to YouTube or GA4 exactly. or Universal Analytics or Google Search Console. So, I mean, the way that we use it, but I, I should say that this looks like it's just going to completely blow up like third party dashboards, which are, it's kind of a class of software that we've looked at before for just making it easier for folks to see. Uh, their data, but now that Google Data Studio plugs into all this stuff, I, I think it's going to be hard to justify like paying for some other, yeah, for some other uh, company, and it's it's likely also going to just be way um, way worse support. I mean, who are you going to support? Uh, these seven different startups that are making data dashboards, or Google? I mean, you're this probably gonna, gonna be you're probably, gonna be something like Tableau, right? Something like that. Tableau, but there's or, there's other specialized things like there's like oh okay they, have, they all have goofy names Dashio and things like this, but if if you were to look up you know, uh, yeah I don't know like data okay I guess data yeah, dashboard you 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 would find them on um, whatever those software comparison sites are. Um, and are you aware of like uh, public policy groups public policy groups using these tools or do they do it more internally? No, I mean not, the only the only thing I've I've ever looked at is yeah some some people are are uh, pulling stuff um, mm -hmm. manually. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, but um, the only folks I've talked to who seem to be using uh, dashboards regularly are already using Google Data Studio. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard someone looking at um, like Domo is one of the options out there. There's um, uh, SciSense, SI, and then the, the word Sense. Um, yeah. A, a few a few others I can think of. Um, you know, and and I I understand why folks are um are trying to find those you're just you just need the information that you need and you need it fast and why are we updating stuff or exporting things out to spreadsheets and so on um yeah and that's the reason why why we use it but let's talk about why how we've used it in the past uh-huh so if you're tracking a particular campaign you're tracking a um a subset of pages let's say it's like um you're, you're really focused on an issue we've got to get people to view our our education material, our our, impl- our information on um, state budgets, or whatever your public policy issue might be in the think tank world, mm-hmm. um, we can put in a filter there to say uh, only grab things from this directory, or if we're sharing that category information somehow to Google Analytics or or Google Analytics four, um, we can put in those filters. So show me page views and time on site, whatever other thing you want to measure for only this subset of things. Now you can do that in Google analytics, uh, but it often presents in a a pretty ugly chart that you don't want to look at. Uh, In this case, you can make a, a very good looking chart. Um, You can, um, you can also say, you know, show, show it to me by day or by week or by month. You can show a wider range. You can control how that chart looks. Show it to me always in these colors so it's consistent. One thing that's frustrating about using reports in Google Analytics is that you may load one report and um, you know, one set of data shown in yellow, the same set of data shown in green and blue. You can't control all that stuff in Google Analytics. It just sort of kicks out a default report. Um, so if you're yeah. trying to make something like report to your board report to donors, um, even just do something internally with your own management, having to explain in the visuals, oh, well, that data is red in this chart and now green in this chart and it's blue in this chart. It's very confusing. So um, it's worth going through Data Studio to just set that stuff up. You also set it once and it's going to be there the next time. Um, And it, I mean, the the big thing is that it's more than one data source. So if you want to look at... um, let's say compare your Google analytics data to your Google search console data. You'll often find that um, clicks from Google search console are measured that aren't caught in analytics because analytics involves loading JavaScript and measuring things that way. And that may not always Mm -hmm. be happening. Um, So we often find that Google analytics is, is undercounting by a pretty significant portion, the amount of search traffic that you're getting to a given page. So you can easily make a table then of showing um, for this URL, show me Google Analytics and Google Search Console clicks. Or, you know, it might be page views and analytics versus clicks in um, Google Search Engine Console or Search Console rather. Um, You could also then track, you know, traffic that you have against um, average page position. So Google Search Console will give you that information. If you wanted to bring in information from elsewhere, like... um, uh, I'm trying to trying to think of other things. Uh, Parsley is another analytics package that some of our customers use. That's um, now uh, owned by Automatic, the company that that 
uh, owns WordPress or is in charge of the WordPress open source project. Um, so there you have, you can start comparing uh, information like that. I'm sure there's all sorts of more inventive ways of of handling this, but that's how we typically do it. Um, and we generate special reports for certain clients, like clients whose Google ad grant we manage. I, I typically show them a yeah. graph of uh, like the bounce rates. So we want to keep that low, um, how much they're spending week by week, how many clicks and impressions are coming in week by week. Um, and our, our goal there is usually to make that bounce rate fall to a very low percentage often before we get accounts the bounce rate is really high because the ads are not quite matched up to what the pages are about so people come to the page say oh this isn't what i want and they leave um so we typically like to see that bounce rate come down and the spend go up um maybe conversions that are being measured going up as well of course so yeah i mean i guess i'm i'm looking forward to exploring what the heck all these other integrations do and if there might be some other way that we can um we can use data or if if google is now merging together a, a free product which they tend to ignore once they're out there mm -hmm. and a product that's being paid for by enterprise customers it may be that the rest of us are now going to benefit from everything that the everything that they're doing for the paying enterprise customers which yeah. sounds nice um, so be better to be in a, in a product that's making Google a, a good chunk of money. Um, you know, cause as we've seen just recently, they shut down Stadia and refunded all the gamers and so on. Google has this habit of creating a product, supporting it for a while while it holds people's interest. But unless it really starts becoming a moneymaker, they just ditch it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good point, actually. I had a thought about that. <laughs> yeah. They had tons of experiments. Uh, have disappeared yeah they shut down left and right i mean i now, guess I mean, they I'm, I'm still upset about google reader not existing make those, right? i think i think that was part of the what's that i mean i think they encouraged their employees i think they gave them time uh, yeah the the 10 percent time you know basically you were going to spend one day a week something like that kind of working on your own pet projects and i yeah. think that's where we got things like maybe even gmail you know um right started out as an experiment um yeah but but it seems um they seem less and less willing to keep uh things just poking along in in permanent beta like they used to um so it's heartening to see this thing that we rely on and that i know a lot of people in the seo industry rely on um oh of course the, the other thing that you can plug in here are, are rank monitoring tools like hrefs or semrush um so you can track like your you you can display then for your clients like keyword tracking alongside of um alongside of traffic so that you can see like as ranks going up for particular words you can grab some of that from Google Search Console as well um but but as you know you want to show correlation there you see how our our mm. you know, position has gone up you know li links into your site have increased you know all of that stuff can be displayed alongside each other um, but anyway, it's a, it's a tool that so many people rely on. It's good that, um, that even if we're not paid players, uh, it may it's, stick it's around a for a while. Super cool tool. You can make a custom dashboard with anything that, to help you keep track of, um, let's say a SEO metric or something that you want to track, um, some to track some progress, but yeah, my only critique really 
would be, I think, <laughs> how slow it's been. I, I don't know if they've improved that, uh, even just for their own products, uh, integrating with their own products. But um, I guess another pain point has been maybe lack of integrations with, with some uh, partners, which is now, um, you said that that's been improved, right? So yeah. I'm curious to explore that. Yeah. I think I think that the slowness is is unlikely to go away. Um, it, it, it kind of dovetails into something yeah. that we can um, we can talk about talk about in the last story of today. Um, uh-huh. But but I think that Google's actually in getting increasingly like miserly with computing resources because uh-huh. it's it's a huge cost, right? So we yeah. might, we'll talk about it later in the context of web crawling. But like you were saying, oh, couldn't they be doing data caching? Like, no, I think if you're not looking at Data Studio for a month, they're not going to query that API yeah. for a month. I mean, you know, maybe there's some exception there where, gosh, if we if we don't pull the data in now, um, it's going to fall out of the available data window. You know, something like that. Um, yeah, but but I I I think that they're just not going to waste the resources. So I think because it's because Google Data Studio is plugging into into lots of third parties or even their own services, and they're trying not to just have those things be running all the time, because we we have to admit, oh, you know, Google's got all these resources is always the argument, but, but it's also well, Google's serving millions of customers. So but know? okay, so they if, have more you know for this product, so maybe they will do something. I don't know, but maybe it's impossible. That could be. Yeah, they might find some middle ground between being completely miserly with resources and. Um, yeah. And you know, you know, caching new data every five minutes. Um, maybe there'll be some middle ground there. But yeah, I I mean expect service to remain poor, uh, especially if you're not paying for it. Um so I, I also wanted to talk about um uh conferences. Okay. So I, I thought this was an interesting topic, if only because we need to discuss it, but other people <laughs> might be interested in our discussion of it too. Um so Search Engine Journal did a piece um, about, I guess this might even be like a permanent guide that they have up um, that's just about uh, SEO conferences. Um, uh, look, It looks like Lauren Baker, who's the founder um, of SEJ, uh, posted in September uh, 15th. Uh, so he's yeah. going over all these different conferences. Many of them, I think, Search Engine Journal also targets people who work in like the PPC area because so mm-hmm. much of understanding search is, can also be applied to paid search ads. Um, yeah. So it turns out we just missed one around in my neighborhood uh, inbound 2022, which is the um, uh, HubSpot's annual event just happened in, in Boston. So that was September 6th through the 9th. And uh, one of their speakers included Barack Obama. So I don't oh. know what he what he knows about inbound marketing. I guess he did run two very successful campaigns that brought in tons of small donor, dollar donors. But I yeah. I wonder I wonder how much he was intimately involved with the technical implementation of any of that. Uh, you know, I feel like that was probably um, assigned to someone else with specialized knowledge there. Um, but that that uh conference is $1200 i feel like unless you're really bought into the hubspot ecosystem maybe there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect there um but but others include things like ad age and content marketing world the the prices on these things are really varied so content marketing world is 
$1,500 per person. Um, and that's starting okay. at, so that's like early bird registration. That's the lowest price that you get. Um, there's uh, there's many, many others that I haven't heard of uh, in here, um, but there's others like AdWorld that I'm familiar with. That's $259 for a single day. Um, I don't know how many total days they, they have. It looks like just two days. So basically we're looking at $500. Um, there's an ad world online that will only cost you 119. Um, and most of these look like they're two to four days at the most, but the things I'm, the thing I've got my eye on is going to, uh, Brighton SEO, uh, in Brighton, England. Uh, Mm -hmm. and they have that twice a year, which is, um, which is nice because, that's nice. Uh, yeah. Often these things get stuck on a certain More date, options. and it just doesn't work for some people. Like mm, June's just never going to work for me. You know, some people may have yeah. those things because of uh, kids or family schedules, whatever it is, uh, where it's just difficult. Um, so Brighton has their 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 next round is going to be in April of next year and September of the next year. I think it's the twentieth and twenty first, and I think mm-hmm. it might be the thirteenth and fourteenth uh, of September. I'm I'm pulling that from memory though, so I'm not I'm not quite sure. But it occurs to me looking at these um these conferences that several of them are just not squarely about SEO. They're about everything. You know, some of them are okay, are you in UX and um, um designing yeah. marketing funnels and social media promotion and you know uh, having something that's both about SEO and PPC, the two sides of search, um organic and paid search seems more reasonable to call that a, you know, an SEO conference. Um, but the, the, even MozCon, which is founded by Moz, the, the, uh, the tool, uh, the, the SEO tool, even they are expanded out into kind of everything digital marketing now, yeah, e- email and social ads and what have you, because I think they've got a really successful conference going and they can just grow it and grow it and grow it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, to me, it looks like Brighton SEO is still is just very focused on SEO. It's in the name, um, and it's and it's affordable. I mean, uh, it's a little expensive in my case because I'm going to have to fly to England, um, but yeah. I'm glad to have a trip. Sure. I'd rather I'd rather be paying for the trip than paying you know seventeen or eighteen hundred dollars for the conference. Uh, and it looks like That's for an right, additional. Yeah. Uh, two hundred fifty. I should I shouldn't say dollars. It's pounds. Pounds. Uh, yeah. I don't know what exchange rate is now, but uh, it's Brexit, I guess. Uh, it's it's pretty favorable now. I think. Uh, so it looks like two hundred fifty pounds sterling right now is two hundred eighty three dollars. So it's mm. not uh, it's not wildly off. The pound was uh, down further uh, a little while ago. So it would have been better to buy tickets um, sometime. Like September twenty seventh, we would have done better. Um, but yeah, it um, seems like a good conference, loaded with really good um, with good speakers. And for another two hundred fifty pounds, um, they have a a separate first day that that has um, training. So you're more like in a classroom environment rather than a sort of um, conference. The speaker mm-hmm. talks and you listen, sort of environment. Um, so yeah, that's interesting, but I, I will include that in the show notes. I think people should check it out. You know, if you don't want to fly to to Brighton, that's where I think we're headed. But there's there's others that are around the states, um, 
Palm Springs, San Diego, California, Los Angeles, Austin, Texas is where Hero Conf is going to be this year. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's lots of different options out there. But I think, you know, as the show demonstrates, SEO is something that you just have to keep learning forever. You're never done. Um, yeah. And so, you know, going to a conference and talking to people as much as we can all be on Twitter and in our private Slack groups and uh, reading blogs and watching YouTube videos. Um, there's something about kind of getting together in person and having uh, yeah, once in a while. impromptu conversations in the hallway where you can kind of really relate what you're working on and someone will overhear it. And and often those connections are made in a way where it, it may have never been made if you were just online or it may have taken you a lot of reading and talking to people on Twitter or, you know, there, and there, there's often things too, where it's like, you can just share something with someone in person and it's not recorded in a Slack channel. It's not on Twitter. It's not in a forum. Uh, and you can speak more frankly about, Hey, I was working for Coca-Cola on this thing, you know, where you would never disclose that, mm-hmm. uh, in a written form somewhere where it could, you know, <laughs> that could really be pinned back to you. Right. There's sort of a yeah. plausible deniability. And I think an understanding at some of these events that, uh, you know, we're not all going to tell tales on each other afterwards. So anyway, I'm looking forward to, uh, to that. And it's a way for us to get together since we work in, um, you know, seven yeah. countries most of the time. All right. You want to talk about some, uh, more um, news? Yeah, if, uh, I would like to talk about something that I think is interesting. Okay. And, about- in, um, in some part before, so what was it in uh, August, September? We had the Health Economy update. We talked about that before, right? Yeah, late August, a couple times. Um, and there, there have been other updates too. But um, what was it? The product review update and core update. And yep. so, what what has happened? Uh, you know, one effect that's Kind of interesting that these updates have had. I, I, I don't know which one has most. I guess product reviews, um, the help of Connor update, maybe mostly. I haven't looked at the exact timelines, but it's these are really successive to each other, one another. It's been only three months for all these updates, right? Two or two, two to three months. No, it, it was it was six weeks. It was basically two weeks for rolling out of helpful content. Then they went right into a core update, and then right on the heels of that, they went into so yeah, 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 into the review update. But so, uh, what's happened uh, is uh, it's it's punished commodity content basically. Um, so it's content like you imagine like lyric sites. We've seen those all over. These all have the same, you know, lyrics and the, the car sites. Maybe so in car specs, dictionaries, translations, recipes, uh, real estate. This kind of uh, sites that don't really. They all pull from the same public database, so there's yeah. no, you know, there's no different information on them. They they just have to compete on like UI essentially. Yes, and so th- these sites have lost up to ninety percent of their traffic from the the uh, helpful content update. I, I don't know. I guess not helpful content update from from all these updates because I know that the helpful content update was I think only for the English language and. The source that I looked at uh, from who was it, Kevin something, Kevin Indick, yes. Think, also talked about 
German sites, which have lost traffic. So I guess the other updates must have had an effect too. Um, yeah, I think the product review update hit hit everybody, but um, yeah, but, but okay. The, but the but the core update could be affecting those sorts of things, those lyric sites. Um, yes. Well, one thing that's interesting to me because it it um, it reminded me of uh, we helped the client set up a sort of uh, commodity content, which did help them best. Yo, do you remember that? Uh, it was a uh, core cases, right? Something like yes. that. So that yeah. that's definitely falls under this. That's absolutely right. There's no denying that. But um, th there was uh, there were some sites spared from the from this uh, commodity content punisher update. Well, like, of course they uh, have to be because people are still looking for this stuff, right? So someone's going to yeah. win. So, so if someone's also, looking for the lyrics, they're going to find the lyrics. It's just which lyric site are they going to go to? But 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 the site that did not get punished, it didn't get more traffic, but it didn't get punished. It just came out basically the same. Was uh, genius. The thing about genius is they do have they do transform the content. They, they don't only provide the lyrics. They provide uh, interpretations of the like individual, you know, lines. And yeah, especially like annotations and interpretations. Yeah, annotations because like these hip hop players can be really hard to read. You know, if you try that. Yes. You know that it's very difficult language. Um, you and know. they also give you, you know, what motivated Eminem to say his palms yeah. are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. Yeah. You know, so, who knows? Who knows about the genius behind these words? Yeah, most sites don't have. Most lyrics sites don't have this. So I think. That's probably one reason, and that made me think that also in our case, our client did have like something to add to their commodity content. They had uh, some commentary, you know, about that because they were in that space and they had done that anyway. They had, you know, uh, yeah, conference events about those court cases where multiple it's, experts are discussing them. Yes. You know, individual commentary pieces, videos about those things. So yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. So I, I just made me wonder. Okay, that's maybe maybe that's why they did not lose traffic for those pages immediately. Actually, I think it went up a little bit. Or just say that's zero. I think like genius. Uh, I, 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 we've seen a little bit of a boost there. Um, oh, you know, not not a not a huge boost, but a boost. Um, yeah, and and doubtless it is because it's not just a copy. So there are there are they are using some public data uh, in that case. Um, yes, the court case data, the raw data of uh, you know which justice wrote the opinion, what was the opinion, uh, when did it happen, uh, mm -hmm. you know what what year was it decided, you know what date was the uh, the case granted, you know where the yeah. the court agreed that they would hear it. All that stuff was pulled from. Uh, a public open source database. Um, but yeah, certainly it just, we didn't stop there. Right. So yeah, uh, with lots of projects like that. Um, all right. I'm sorry. I can think of other projects that clients have done that involve public data, especially since we're working with think tanks, they're often taking data from the, you know, the Bureau of labor statistics uh, or um, what is it that like, the CBO score, the Congressional Budget Office, right? Don't they score things? Um, so sorry if I for, if I forget some of these acronyms, listeners. Um, but they might be taking that public data 
I mean, in one case, we can think of a, a, a group, the Tax Foundation, who we've had on and interviewed on the show, um, yeah. has a page that just shows public IRS data, um, but they do it in a way that is, um, they don't offer a lot of analysis or opinion on that data, but they offer some helpful explanation as to what these different tax rates are. Yeah, so it's it's mean. kind of like the, the annotations there, helping people yeah. interpret the content, yeah. And also putting all that content in an organized way that's on a single page. Um, whereas yeah. I think the IRS has it scattered all over the place. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that this brought to mind for me was that a lot of our, um, a lot of people in the think tank and public policy space mm -hmm. write about the same things. Um, so how are you going to stand out? If if you've just got another, you know, it all kind of looks the same to a machine. You may think that you have the best quality writing in the world, um, but if if another think tank research center publisher of some sort is writing about the same sort of thing, uh, let's say it's a it's a bill being considered before Congress, like the Inflation Reduction Act, the yeah. uh, the 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 mis cruelly misnamed uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Um, lots of people are talking about it. They're going to be saying lots of the same sorts of things. Um, maybe you, maybe you even managed to send out, you know, a press release and get some links pointing to your specific, um, you know, breakdown of that bill. It may end up that, that you're looking pretty similar to a lot of other groups. Um, I, I think it's likely that that's going to happen. So how do you stand out? Well, uh, do you link to a PDF full of the information that backs up your claims? Or do you include a table with the raw information in it right there that Google can index and point people to? Yeah. Um, you know, do you just do you just have a quote on things or do you include beautiful looking charts like the charts we're encouraging people to use from uh, data wrapper or other mm -hmm. uh, other sources like that, where someone's going to be able to come to that page and see, you know, compelling visual answers to every question that they may have about that that bill or whatever whatever else it is that you're you're talking about. But over and over again, we see folks who, oh, why you know why don't I get traffic to our our site? Um, you know, we sort of produce the greatest quality research that there is. Why are people seeing it? And you know, the answer is because you're presenting it very badly, or you mm. know, you're 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 presenting conclusions without. Um, raw data tables, you know, like I, I, we were recently looking at a project with a client um, and one of the charts that was in the, um, in a previous year's version of this report was talking about standard deviations. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't search for standard deviations uh, from whatever, whatever the measure is that you think things ought to be. Um, yeah. Whereas they might be searching for something like uh, a, debt debt per capita or liabilities per capita um by state so in this case right, they were looking, right. they're comparing state budgets so you know people are looking for hard figures and often those things aren't included you only have this sort of um i don't know econometricians results being displayed there so um yeah you're you're basically the the, the lesson i think that we can learn from these commodity sites is that Mm, lots of things can eventually become commodities if they're treated as such. Um, so if you're not making a high quality page with 
lots of data that can be seen, really good visualizations, breaking down a topic into all of its subtopics, really comprehensively going after something. Or if you just decide to bury everything in a PDF, you know, you may have really good analysis, but it's just it's not going to be seen because you've you've presented it in a bad format. Right. I mean, the, the other notes that I had from this were um, uh, Kevin Indig, who wrote this, noted that um, s- some of the pages he saw suffer had h- what he calls hardcore monetization <laughs> going on. Yeah. So those are pop-up ads that harm the user experience. Now, we don't see hardcore monetization efforts with our uh, our think tank clients. They're, they're nonprofits who typically aren't oh, no. um, yeah. trying to sell anything. Um, but sometimes they do make the mistake of having these modal windows that pop up, um, maybe trying to get people to sign up for their newsletter, something like that, you know, or it's a fundraising drive towards the end of the year and a big pop-up is going to cover everything. I mean, we know because Google has said so that it, it's going to hurt. It's going to downrank you if you have those sorts of ads, that, that those sorts of ads are going to hurt your rankings. Um, and that that's part of the the overall page experience update from a couple of years ago that introduced core web vitals, but people tend to forget that another part of that page experience is um, intrusive ads. Like, do ads just ruin the ability for someone to go from the search engine to getting a result? Yeah, because ads are okay, just not intrusive, and they have pretty good guides on this. I think how you, yeah, you know, I mean, if what, if you what, yeah, if you just Google. Uh, Google page experience ad guidelines. It's very simple. Uh, and, and you can just replace those modals that block things that do, that do hurt the, the user experience with something that, with a simple on-page ad that it, that's maybe at the top and bottom or middle of every article. You know, you can still really pepper people with a lot of ads. They just have to be done in a way that's yeah, u- users don't sort of uniformly find upsetting. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and I mean, ads will always slow the site down somewhat, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, what Google is really looking at is, you know, how soon soon does the site become interactive? Right? It doesn't necessarily matter how long does the whole thing take to load. I mean, within reason, but maybe that was the focus before, but nowadays it's more about when can I start consuming this page? Just like. When you're streaming something on Netflix or something, when can I start watching? Not when ha- has my browser loaded the whole movie. That's not so important. It's yeah, the in the same. case of Netflix now, I think you never load the the whole movie. You're you're streaming, and they they're just making sure to build up enough buffer, right? Because they're trying yeah, to save I mean, on on resources. You lo- I guess you load and you throw it away uh, after you consume it. Yeah. But yeah, you, yeah. I guess you do eat the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> at, uh, uh, sorry, I just want to say one thing. I just think it's a little bit funny because you're talking about PDFs. There's ironically in this article they do mention there were some PDFs I spared. These were uh, commodity content manuals. I don't know manuals for what it was, but you know, like product manuals. And I use these sites all the time because I'm like yeah, looking yeah, up how to I, fix the dishwasher or something like that. So sites that had PDFs instead of content actually didn't get punished uh, they're, they're saying here because it just prevented it from appearing uh, as a duplicate of the other sites so i think that's funny not not uh, promoting pdfs but 
Oh, so um, the PDF was was obscuring the fact that it was a, a complete commodity. Yeah, it, it wasn't being, I guess, how do you say, like compared to those other sites that had it all written on the site, written on the site. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, what? How do those sites? Like UEOS work? Do they have PDFs or it's right on the site? I, I would have thought that it would be PDFs, there, like scans of the manual. Manuals. They're they're yeah. usually PDFs, but sometimes they do appear to be. Yeah, um, I mean, they look like an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper that has been scanned, right. but but some of them have been like OCR'd, and you kind of flip through them in a different way, where maybe they have been sort of partially HTMLified. So okay. I can't say for certain. I've never looked into it very deeply, but some of them do appear to work. They're they're different than just you're opening a PDF in the browser. They're somehow that manual's floating around in the middle of a web page. Um, sometimes yeah. that's actually more frustrating uh, because at least if you the, the interface there can be wonky if you're using it on your phone. Now you're kind of scrolling past the page. You know, you just want to be able to okay, if this is a PDF, just give it to me as a PDF, and I'll flip through the thing. Yeah. You know, otherwise, convert it fully to a web page. But when they put it into this sort of intermediate, uh, halfway between the two states, and now it's in a frame and it's sort of bouncing around, uh, it can mm -hmm. become frustrating. Um, but I, I, one last thing that that I, I was saying dovetails into um, what we were talking about earlier when it comes to resource conservation. So Google being miserly with its compute power. Um, oh. Uh, you know. Kevin points out, and uh, I encourage everybody to, to jump in and look at this in the show, show notes. Uh, the name of the of the article is "Google's Latest Update Leaves No Room for Low Quality Content." At the very mm -hmm. end, he has a little catalog. He must be keeping a file on this of every time that Google uh, Search Central, uh, every time their Twitter account has talked about indexing issues uh, oh, over yeah. the last over the last several years. Maybe it's not every time, but it's notable times. Um, yeah. And it's frequent. I mean, it's uh, it's eight times over the last um, couple of years that they've had to note publicly, hey, we're aware that we're having an issue with indexing. Indexing will be fixed soon. Um, <laughs> we'll, be, you know, yeah. we'll be back to things. Because people are seeing things like, I've published content and it's just not appearing in search for hours or days. Whereas the, we, we, we usually expect it to be there in minutes, especially if you have a fairly popular uh site like most of our clients do um so it kind of gets back to a theme that we talked about uh last week i think we were talking about de-indexing things or index bloat um mm -hmm. so it's all that common low value stuff like a job listing that's been filled from three years ago those things should be deleted you know or if you say gosh well we we may hire a new receptionist down the road i'd love to keep that job listing set the post back to draft and get it off the live website. You know, you're not hiring for that position now, get it gone. Um, so even if it's not appearing on your, um, you know, your jobs page, it may still be a live web page that's still in your XML sitemap, still getting indexed and Google's crawling that thing every damn time it comes by the website to just see if it's changed and it hasn't. And you know that it hasn't, and it's not providing anything of any use to anybody because you're not hiring for that position. Same thing with like old events that have passed where there's no there's no video, there's no audio, there's no transcript. Those things should be off of your website. They communicated something at one point that was useful. We're having an event next Tuesday, but 
that's come and gone. No one can attend that event. That's events is in the past. If you didn't capture any content from it, get it off your website. Um, and, and, and then the, the, the big category, and we're, we're dealing with this with a client right now is, you know, what do you do with these media appearances that you've made that think tanks find very important, you know, donors give money to think tanks so that they share ideas with the world, not so that they sit and write papers that no one reads. Um, so media, media appearances, like being a guest on a radio show or appearing on television or being cited in, you know, the Washington post or the New York times or whatever it might be, those things are important to track. And you may want to share those publicly. You may want those on your website, but you have to recognize that those are things that no one is searching for on your website. Uh, yeah. or, or at least, you know, if they're interested in, in, oh yeah, what was that quote from the wall street journal last week? Or, you know, who did I see on CNBC? Um, they're going to expect to find that on the CNBC or the Wall Street Journal site, uh, not your website. And certainly your website isn't going to rank for that because Google's going to see it as as duplicated content or in the case of radio or TV, just, you know, okay, someone embedded that video on this page. I'm going to show them. I'm not going to show that page. I'm going to show the CNBC page or maybe CNBC's YouTube channel or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So we've got to be careful about that stuff and and just mark it as something not to be indexed. Maybe even go into robots.txt and say, don't crawl this stuff. Um, Any way that we can tell Google, this is the search worthy stuff. And this is stuff that serves some other purpose on our website is so valuable because you'll see the total amount of pages being searched, um, maybe decrease, but you might see search frequency go up. You might even see the number of pages being crawled go up because now Google sees your site as, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> can you hear that? Uh, no. A tab somewhere on my computer just started playing a Chevrolet ad. So this goes for that intrusive, uh, <laughs> intrusive website stuff that we were just talking about. So. I don't know if yeah. there's a way the way for me to mute Chrome across the entire uh across the entire computer, but man, okay, sorry, that was distracting. Uh I'm gonna close search engine journal and a few other things. Um yeah. but yeah, as I was saying, uh sometimes when we've when we've pulled things out of index indexation on Google, we actually see Google's crawling go up because now it recognizes that all of the stuff that it's crawling is non-duplicative, it gets updated regularly. Um essentially you've taken your site and said, and, and you show Google, instead of having a site that's 60% garbage and 40% valuable stuff, now your site is 100% valuable stuff, or at least the part of your site that you're asking them to crawl. Uh, and they may decide to now crawl that, crawl your whole site every day rather than just um, crawling only a portion. Um, yeah. Sorry about that ad playing in the background. I've got to figure out a way to, to mute Chrome that happened the other day on a, on a client call. And it was like highly distracting. But I often have uh, lots of tabs open, usually not on commercial sites that are going to play things like that. But yeah, I got to hear all about the new Chevy Cruze. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> before we go, I had two other little things to mention. There's some um, a couple of things to note involving time. Um, Google is testing out previously visited site link icons. So you might see this when you search for something. I'm going to see if I can see it. Um, myself right now, but there's a, a little like, um, clock. It almost looks like the, uh, time machine icon. If you're a Mac user, 
a sort of watch face with a um a, a circular arrow around it um so sort of yeah the, the clock running backwards and it's supposed to indicate like this is in your google history you know you've already visited this page so i'm not seeing it on my results right now in my browser uh, but i've seen screenshots of it and it's interesting that they're showing that because maybe fewer browsers are supporting you know previously looked at links being in a different color or some other indication that you've already gone to the page um but google's in you know introducing that stuff now um you can see a context for this being something like uh you're searching for some particular bit of information and the results keep coming up the same results are coming up in maybe different orders as you type in different um different queries uh and it's just it's clear to you you've already visited the site then if it's got that little icon coming up next to it uh and the other notable tiny news news item was that uh google is still trying to figure out time stamping i find yeah, this to be kind of a curious thing and uh, it's happening to sites and it's been happening for years and they say it's yeah and, i don't know and it's and it's not just to um and it, it's not just just to like kind of obscure little sites this is like big news sites so we're talking about these complaints have come from like the bbc and usa today and the washington post like large news operations um where you know let's say you're typing in a news story and i do this all the time i want to see the latest thing on the war in ukraine let's say so mm -hmm. i'll click on a on a, a article that says 35 minutes ago or 3 hours ago or sometimes they even have something that says live nothing more up to date than live um and yet many of these many uh, editors like the seo editor at the wall street journal has said um they've sometimes see 4 hours ago on stories published 4 or sorry 4 days ago on on stories published 4 hours ago so like what on earth is causing that? Cause, cause it's one thing if a story is published and then mm -hmm. you updated it 35 minutes ago. Okay. I could see that yeah. you, you originally published it three days ago, but Google still can't get this right. And it seems like it is right. I guess it's not the, the, uh, it's still four. It? At least. They got the four, right? But yes, not yes. The, I don't know what you call this the type of quantity as well yeah the the unit of time is incorrect uh yeah, yeah. days versus hours is pretty relevant there. yeah and it's it, it's just surprising to me too because it's it's one of the two basic elements of a sitemap a sitemap is just a big ass list of links with a timestamp next to it um so yeah. google knows whether or not to crawl the thing um you know danny sullivan at google has acknowledged this you know we've we've been looking into it we're working on it um Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's recently he said that, but it's, he, he also acknowledged that this was a problem around 2018. So I guess this has just yeah. been an issue for a while now. So yeah. Uh, if you see timestamps appearing the wrong way, or you see stories that are, yeah, getting kind of, um, oddly backdated, um, it may not be you, it may not be a technical problem that you have to solve. Um, of course, always look and see that um, date published and date updated and those sorts of things are reflecting the correct data as far as, as far as you know, the correct data, but there's no guarantee that Google actually picked that stuff up. Yeah.
So that's frustrating. No matter no matter how hard we try, uh, Google may still uh, foil our attempts at. Uh, that's a funny problem. I'm sure they'll get it one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it has to be something with. You know, they're caching things, or things are being done at such an enormous scale, or wh- whatever. But it, it does seem like just, wow, guys, we got to learn to walk before we can run here. You know, this is the sort of stuff that should be handled, handled before we start uh, doing all the advanced textual analysis and natural language processing and uh, tracking authors from site to site and establishing topical authority and all this advanced stuff they're doing. Man, they got to know when something's been published. So. All right. Hopefully that's solved, but it just goes to show that you can't you can't always sweat the small stuff uh, in SEO because some of these things are are out of your hands, uh, and you know ultimately our goal is to create really great websites that serve users really well, uh, and it's 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 Google's job to pick up on the fact that we've done that and uh, reward us with traffic appropriately. Um, yeah. You know, and it's to their interest to do it. So yeah, as you say, they'll eventually do it uh, because they they want to be sending people to the latest news stories, um, not falsely labeling things as four days ago. All right. Well, I think that's that's all of our notes. Um, you know, folks, uh, share this podcast. I'm going to be uh, sharing this on on Facebook, and LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, we appreciate the, any likes that you can give us, any shares that you can give us on those platforms, tell your friends about it, tell your colleagues about it, tell people that you don't like about it. So long as you think they might benefit from it, uh, they don't have to be your friends. Um, and, and do reply to us on, on, on Twitter. So I'm at Cord Bloomquist. Uh, you can also reach us at, at tallest tree digi. That's the, the company account. Or reply on Facebook, reply on LinkedIn. If there's some topic you'd like us to cover, um, I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, you can also uh, email us at hello at tallestree.digital, and we will we will get your comments there. So yeah, if you have any any questions, burning SEO questions on your mind, uh, we'd be happy to answer them on next week's show. So until then, I'm Cord Blumquist. Yep. I'm Andrew Johansson. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.